Hi, everyone, and welcome to Academic Dean, where we connect with passionate college leaders who share their stories and viewpoints of higher education, especially lessons learned along the way. Academic Dean is sponsored by Myers-McRae Executive Search and Consulting. Now, here's your host, Dr. Dave Gercheck. Hi, everyone. Today, I'd like to welcome Dr. Dennis Lancaster to our show. Dr. Lancaster is the Chancellor at Missouri State University, West Plains, in West Plains, Missouri. Hi, Dennis. So glad to have you on the podcast today. Well, thanks, Dave. I appreciate uh, the, re- the invitation and uh, looking forward to uh, talking with you. Well, can you talk a little bit about your university and why students select your institution? Sure. So we uh, we're a very small um, two year campus, uh, open admission, uh, associate degree uh, certificate uh, granting institution. Uh, we um, are a part of a university system. So we're a part of the Missouri State University and uh, we're the only institution um, like this in the state of Missouri. Uh, which has its uh, benefits and uh, sometimes its uh, challenges, but uh, it is a uh, unique place, I would say, uh, maybe not unique across the country, but it's a very rural area. We have a student body of about 1,800, um, have been as high as 2,200, and that's a mix of different kinds of students that two-year open admission campuses serves. Um, Our area is uh, rural, um, very impoverished, and uh, not need uh, uh, it's uh, it's in need of our services. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> well, what's new on campus? Well, there's quite a bit uh, quite a bit new. We are um, uh, working on our enrollment strategies, and in doing so, we are uh, adding a- academic programs, uh, student service programs, and uh, even athletic programs that are focused. Uh, really at our regional um, student, uh, why would they want to come to West Plains is sort of the, you know, the the question that starts all of this. And so we've added uh, uh, over the years and, and this year, uh, keep adding an academic program here and there. Um, the student service program is new this year. I'll get to that in a minute. And then athletics. Uh, we've had uh, primarily just two sports in the last 30 years. And uh, that's been uh, men's basketball and, and ladies volleyball, but we've expanded um, to two more sports. Uh, esports is a part of the mix and looking at even more. Uh, so that adds a little different flavor to, to, to campus for sure. But our student, uh, I guess the one that mostly stands out, uh, stands out the most would be um, our Ascend program, which is a program for autistic students. And uh, we are, um, wanting to uh, really meet the need of families in uh, not just our region, but within the state of Missouri, um, in the Midwest in some respects, for uh, those families who have students who are very capable of doing college level work, but just have obstacles that they have to uh, to get over. And so this is a transition program, not an academic program. Uh, transition, uh, working alongside, coming alongside those, those students and sometimes those families and, and helping that student move from high school or even the work world uh, into college, um, being there when they need someone, uh, having places uh, where they can go and be by themselves um, to reduce uh, the stimuli um, and uh, and to be successful at whatever it is they choose to, to do. So that is a, a new program. We've had a, a bit of a pilot last year. This is really the pilot year. We have eight students currently and uh, uh, looking to, uh, to see that program grow uh, dramatically, really. 
Well, what are you guys doing to enhance the overall educational experience of students? We um, we we have uh, a lot of uh, student support. So we're talking on the academic side. So a lot of uh, for student success, uh, so some student support. We have uh, academic coaches, uh, not many, not enough, I, I would say. Um, advisors, academic advisors, of course, our, our faculty. Um, for the most part, certainly our full-time faculty are, are very engaged with, with students in the classroom and also outside of the classroom. Um, but as far as the total experience as ex students might uh, expect these days, while we have a residential program, uh, it is small. We have probably about 120, 125 resident students on campus. Um, and uh, so we have a student life program there, uh, a mix of things that we, we, we try to do. Uh, of course, technology is very important to our, our students today. And uh, one of the nice things being part of the Missouri State University system is a very robust technology uh, program or technology infrastructure that uh, is probably the best within 100 miles uh, of a, in a very, again, very rural area. Uh, so that's kind of attractive. Um, you know, again, sports, uh, adding to that flavor of things. Um, the student organizations, uh, we have a college, a collegiate FFA um, organization on campus where there's not too many of those institutions uh, have those. Uh, so that, yeah, again, trying, trying to engage students, that's kind of tough when you've uh, got a mostly a commuter campus and a lot of our students live anywhere from 25 to even 100 miles away that, that will come to our campus. You know, since you mentioned technology, how are you adapting to the changing landscape of higher ed? especially technology, including things like AI and VR. Yeah. Um, you know, on the AI side, I, we're, we're just feeling our way, uh, to be very honest. Uh, uh, have no answers to that, watching other institutions, seeing what's happening across the, the spectrum of higher education, of how we uh, adjust to this. Uh, I get a lot of questions uh, from, from faculty often. So, you know, how, how do you recognize it? AI-generated paper, um, and I, I have no answer. Right. <laughs> but they probably have uh, have the answer there. Um, but I, the other is uh, turning around and saying, well, how how can we use this? I mean, let, let's it's it's not going to go away. Um, not you can't ban it necessarily. But how, how do we uh, how do we approach students? How do we we talk about the need for original work um, and expression and research? Uh, in order to um, uh, maximize their learning experience. So some will hear that, some will, will not. But uh, but again, how, how do we use AI in uh, the learning process, I think is really where we're, we're at right this moment. Um, looking for uh, uh, lots of ideas in, in that way. And I, th I think we're starting to see uh, some of those things come out. So I think as, as a whole, in higher education, we'll be uh, wrestling with this for, for some time. Um, but I, I hope there's some good that come out of it. Uh, you know, virtual uh, reality kind of things. We, we do uh, already in some of our uh, tech and career programs um, with virtual welding. Uh, our, our nurses, um, many of them are doing uh, virtual uh, anatomy and, and those kind of things. We've got uh, the simulation lab for our, our nursing program, which... Uh, uh, it's not on the virtual side yet, but it has some some ways of connecting on on the virtual side. So I'm I'm interested in see how we might uh, 
uh, explore uh, in that area. So we we're, uh, we kind of embrace it. Uh, we have for a long time, uh, just knowing that this is where we're going. And, and we've had some faculty who are, who are very much uh, uh, in favor of those kind of learning experiences. Yeah, the students sure seem to like virtual. It's, it's funny, you go back 15 years, you didn't even think about that now. Like you mentioned, oh. virtual virtual welding. It's like, oh my gosh, I got to see this. So <laughs> no, that's right. We were talking the other day. Again, I've, I've been around forever at our institution. And and when we first started uh, doing, uh, looking at career and technical programs. So uh, to explain a little bit, um, we uh, we uh, were founded, we were founded in 1963. So we're celebrating our 60th anniversary. And, uh, but it was only in 1992 that we became a separately accredited institution. And so at that point, we, we were more of that junior college model of really just transfer students moving on to the, the mother campus, if you will. Um, but in the late 90s, we started moving toward career and tech programs very slowly. We had some hiccups. We had a couple of recessions, of course, between uh, shortly thereafter and kind of set us back. But uh, in the, early, the late 1990s, we had a we had a dean that was very foresightful, uh, and um, he was saying, "This is coming. We're talking, you know, it's it's VR, it's uh, it's uh, using holograms, it is and all these other things that are coming that uh, you're already seeing in the industry, and so we're we're behind." And uh, I keep thinking about to uh, to Kevin, uh, Kevin Burr was his name, and. Uh, Kevin's listening. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, we didn't make it uh, then, but we're we're getting there now. <laughs> <laughs> well, how is your institution preparing students for today's workforce? Well, it is um, for for us. It is certainly providing that skill, uh, but more than just that, it's a skill that um, has a stamp of approval on it. Um, certifications are uh, important to our employer partners. Um, we want them to be uh, important to our students. They're important to our faculty. Um, but it's also, uh, it's just what we have to do, uh, I, I think. And uh, so we uh, we are, um, if we're looking at welding, then uh, AWS, uh, American Welding Society, uh, overall certification is important in our area, but we're also uh, an NC3 uh, institution with the National Coalition of Certif uh, Certification Centers, and uh, so in, in welding, it's it's all the the very specific kinds of skills and types of welding that uh, our students are uh, getting certified on as well. They can pick and choose um, for themselves if they want to do that or not, but we do encourage them to do that because they they may start somewhere um, and wouldn't need uh, knowing how to do um, you know TIG welding or or whatever it might plasma or something. Um, but who knows what the lies you know what lies there uh, in their path and as far as a career. So uh, we encourage them to do all those kind of certifications. Uh, in, in nursing, uh, of course, you're there. They're all aiming for uh, the registered nurse and the passing the NCLEX and, and, and all of that. Uh, so we were we want them to be very aware of the what the industry is is typically looking for in uh, in employees. Um, we also want to set uh, give them an idea of what working is like and what that environment that they uh, will be going into. So our if our example is welding, then our instructor Chuck Cook. Um, who comes out of industry, provides them uh, really a very good idea of what's expected of them, whether that's uh, uh, on the road as a, um, 
a traveling welder that um, sounds real attractive to some of our students, or it's it's here at home and I'm in the shop down the down the road. Um, and it's part of that is the soft skills. It's it's you know you have to be here on time. And so he treats his program and his classes as uh, this is a workplace. So you have to be here at eight, at eight o'clock or whatever it is. Um, and uh, that seems to work very well. And I think the students appreciate that. He's also very good at, at giving them an idea of of um, uh, where they sort of fall within a, uh, the industry, uh, what they can do with that, uh, what other skills they might need to to advance. So I uh, appreciate Chuck greatly. On the nursing side, again, we we have just opened uh, our our second um, hospital simulation lab. Let's put it that way. So this is the more advanced one, and um, those uh, those students are getting. Uh, as, as much as possible, a, a look at what a hospital room looks like uh, early on. That, that's that's those are new freshmen uh, coming in. Of course, they're going to be in the hospital setting with clinicals anyway. All that is extremely important, uh, not only for just uh, the, the learning situation, but also for retention. We believe um, they they need to know what it's what they're in for, uh, what uh, what lies ahead, and uh, hopefully that gives them some idea um, and that they wanted to the motivation of of moving on to uh, to completion and graduation. Well, you you've mentioned a couple of uh, programs already, but can you highlight or discuss any really unique or innovative programs? that kind of distinguishes your campus from others? On the academic side? Yeah, on the academic yeah. side. You know, on the academic side, um, we uh, our, our major program is the Associate of Arts and General Studies. So it's still that, uh, that transfer degree. Uh, we send a lot of students to uh, the College of Education, whether at Missouri State University in Springfield or it's it's other parts of Missouri or even Arkansas. So we, we're very close to the uh, Missouri-Arkansas line. Uh, so we uh, uh, we actually have a, have a lot of pre pre educators pre teachers uh, go through our system. Uh, is that unique? Um, not sure um, how unique it is, but we we want to give them as many experiences as possible. Um, uh, school districts are are very welcoming to our students because they know that many of those students will return home, and there is just a shortage um, of of educators probably across the country. But in the state of Missouri, it's it's kind of desperate in some places. Um, uh, one of those programs, well, we also have two programs that's also associated with our SIN program, the program for autistic students. And while it's not for autistic students, it could be, I suppose, but uh, is it an, an AA in teaching that has an emphasis in working with the autistic? And so that's for paraprofessionals that um, are badly needed in, uh, in our area in particular. Uh, we seem to have a very large percentage of um, uh, young men and women who uh, suffer from from autism, and so the school districts uh, really appreciate, um, will appreciate. I think uh, they they have asked for this as we've developed the autism program. Uh, so that's I guess that's a little uh, unique in in that particular way. Oh, yeah. We're also developing um, not not quite there yet, but we're developing in our ag program an equine therapy program, um, working uh, with a, a local. A uh, farm owner who um, has stables and and um, has a variety of uh, options there, and, and has done some uh, has been the site for some uh, private clinics using uh, her her horses at her farm for uh, equine therapy. So we want to be able to teach 
those who would like to do that as as a uh, as a job, and uh, so we're moving forward with that. We'll probably have that ready alongside a, a vet tech and a vet assistant program, um, maybe next fall. If not next fall, certainly in the next the wow. year. That sounds like fun too. <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of people say, "Hey, I like to do that." <laughs> they love horses, you know. So that's, that's right. uh, and it's very effective. I don't know if you know anything about it, but it is it is it is fascinating to me. Um, and uh, something about that uh, that animal, something about horses that uh, they connect with. So it's it's occupational therapy. It's uh, there's a variety of of uh, uh, benefits that can come with uh, working with horses. So. Yeah. Well, in what ways? Does your campus collaborate with local businesses to create mutually beneficial relationships to address some of your regional challenges? Sure. Uh, you know, on the academic side, uh, it is uh, working with uh, closely with our our um, our division of nursing, uh, so our hospital, uh, our uh, Ozarks Healthcare here as well as uh, hospital baxter county hospital in arkansas and there's some other smaller hospital hospitals in the area so we work very very closely with with them they're, they're great partners um they're uh they have provided uh assistance not only to students in terms of tuition um, or other uh, costs that might be associated with going to school uh, in that program, or they have helped us in um, in expanding our, our program and providing startup monies in, in which we've paid faculty um, uh, up front with their, um, I think we had like some three a year commitments from from at least one of our, our institutions. And, and that's that was huge. That was, that was huge for us. Uh, if we're looking out in terms of industry, uh, they, you know, they want our students um, and uh, they want our students to, to know what it's like to, to work in their particular uh, industry. And uh, so they've been good partners in uh, terms of registered apprenticeships, uh, in terms of providing uh, equipment, uh, other funding, uh, special kind of um, maybe scholarships for, for our students. Uh, other other you know partnerships we continue to to explore. We um, again it's it's a it's a it's a rural area and there are um, are, are niches of things that um, of of uh, uh, of industry and businesses that uh, we're we connect with. Uh, some of them are not real robust, so it's uh, but it's it's really having. You know, and, and part of it is just having them on on board with us and, and understanding what we're trying to do, providing information. So when we started our career technical program uh, coming out of a um, uh, Gears Act. Is that the uh, forget the uh, the uh, uh, grant back in the I don't know 2013 something like that? A huge grant for us, uh, huge in terms of it was very transformational. And a part of that was uh, our going out and connecting with uh, many many. Uh, small shops, uh, whatever it might be, whether it be welding or fabrication, whether it be uh, I, I don't know whatever else was was out there, uh, but having them come to campus um, and and as focus groups and small groups, uh, really telling us here's what here's what we're looking at in terms of skills, and it wasn't just you know it wasn't complaints about employees, it was like here's what we need and here's what we want to do in the future. And while we might be experts in education, we are not necessarily experts of what's going on on the cutting edge in the industry. So we have got to hear from those industry leaders um, and we've got to work hand in hand. So um, I, I say sometimes, and I don't want to offend anybody here, but academics can be very uh, arrogant and not hear from people who uh, they need to, to listen to. 
And uh, so we, we've uh, really had a concerted effort over the last uh, now 10, 11 years, uh, making sure we're reaching out to those, those folks. And, and, our, and we call them our partners because they, they really are. Well, in regards to alternative credentialing, how do you see micro-credentials impact in the future of higher ed? Well, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I've heard uh, both sides, so I'm interested in what you have to say. Yeah, Dave, I, 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 I'm, I'm not particularly a fan. Uh, some of my faculty um, have um, done some of that. Uh, and, and I guess in some areas, it, it, uh, it, it's okay. Um, you know, we, we have a drone program that we're working on, right? This, that's not a program. It's really, a, I think, a set of two or three courses that may move into a program. Um, so we're, we're providing, I think, some badges and some those those uh, kind of things with certain skills or whether they complete the course. And, and, that, and that's fine. Uh, but I, I think we just have to recognize that uh, I, I'm not sure the, the larger world um while interested when they're really demanding or have got to have uh, employees and they can't find them. So maybe it does make a difference. But uh, when things start to settle out, it's got to be uh, some kind of a, a stamp of approval that is well recognized across industry. Um, or uh, I, I, I'm just afraid that we're fooling our students. And I, I want us to, to be very, very upfront. Uh, with them, um, that this is not something that uh, if it's a, if it's a badge, it's not something that's necessarily going to get you a job. It's you know it's it's like being a part of a honor society. It, it's it's uh, it's nice you put it on your wall, uh, all those kind of things, but uh, it's just one bit of evidence of, of what kind of a student you might be. While a true certification is going to say yes, this person has the skills to do um, what's expected in this particular level of, of work. Uh, that's what we're aiming for. Um, so, nope, nope. That's kind of the, that's the other side I've heard. So, yeah. you know, they kind of expelling <laughs> it as short-term, long-term, you know, short-term people may like it, but in the long-term, they don't know if it's going to really pay out or not. Right. And, you know, I know we're, we're up against competition. That's, that's not again, that's not a higher education institution. You know, when you've got, uh, the Googles of the world and Apples and Microsofts that are providing their own certifications. And those are those are fine, uh, and perhaps in those areas. But uh, I, I'm not going to I don't want us to create something uh, that is just from the West Plains campus of Missouri State University that, uh, you know, someone thinks, yeah, they got it. Uh, uh, there's there's got to be something else. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, when I when I look on, at your bio, it looks like you've been at your college for oh, their university. I'm sorry for about, oh gosh, quite a, quite a few years. Became the chancellor in 2020. Prior to that, you were the interim chancellor. Prior to that, you were you've been there. I'll just say you were a dean. You've been around. I have uh, 31 years. I celebrate uh, my work anniversary on my birthday. So I started when I was 30. And yes, you can do the math uh, from there. <laughs> um, I Prior to that, I was a per course uh, instructor uh, for a couple of years. So uh, I have grown up at my institution. That's that's for sure. Well, then here's a pretty simple question. What what qualities do you think a chancellor should have to be successful? Um. I think you have got to listen. Um, and uh, I, I think there has to be a, a humility that says, um, uh, I value whoever you're talking to. I value you. 
I value what you have to say. I may not always agree with what you have to say, but I value what you're telling me. Um, and, uh, and and being able to reach out in, in a way to, uh, whether it's your employer partners or it's your chamber of commerce or it's your local school districts or it's, or it's the mom and dad and student or whoever it might be that you're talking to in whatever venue, where they um, understand that maybe you've been through this with them, um, that uh, not all things are perfect, but uh, you're you're you know you're going to work on it. You're you're going to give them as the you know the the best uh, experience as possible, um, and that uh, really what it comes down to it uh, that you can be trusted. And so if it's me, if I'm the leader, then it also means uh, hopefully they can they can tr um, see something in my institution as as well. Uh, leadership is there are a lot of things about about leadership, and and I've been in. And so many different kind of roles, but I've also uh, had the very great luxury of of having some great leaders that have been my my bosses, um, and uh, so I, I see things uh, and still I draw on things that I, you know, thirty years ago I was I was saying uh, to my boss. That's pretty cool, <laughs> um, and I you know I find myself uh, saying that <laughs> coming out of my mouth or you know let's let's take this kind of thing. Uh, of course, there's other things that I would might have seen and said, oh, I don't think I would do that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've, I've had the the luxury of having some great mentors over over the years. Uh, but the ones that I really truly respect, I have to tell you, are those who um, who listened, um, but and at the right time spoke. Uh, and when they spoke, they spoke with authority uh, in in a way that uh, I, I trusted them and that others trusted them too. Mm. What's been some of the biggest lessons you've learned as an academic leader? Some of the biggest lessons, um, don't get in a big hurry. Mm. Uh, you've got to move along, but don't get in a big hurry. Um, you know, gauge your reaction uh, carefully uh, when uh, things don't go well or uh, someone's in your face. Um, uh, again, listen. Um, uh, I, I think uh, uh, I, I've uh, at times I've moved too fast uh, with, with certain things and have regretted it. Um, that doesn't mean you can't watch for the opportunities to come along. And uh, I, I think as as chancellor, um, those are some of the things that I, I have learned in the last uh, you know three plus years is that uh, there there are opportunities that. You do have to jump on. Uh, you do have to explore, uh, even when someone says, "Nah, we don't want to do that. Uh, can't, can't, can't go there. Can't, can't do that." Um, you, you've got to look at them, and I those do not come our way very often, and especially for a small campus. And so we've been, uh, at least in the state of Missouri, uh, we've we've had some pretty good years here, with uh, either federal monies or state monies, and uh, and even with local. Uh, local monies. Let's put it in private donations, where we've we've seen you know the older generation now uh, thinking about uh, what are they going to do with their money and and how do they pass that on. So we've uh, been the recipients of of some very nice gifts and so a, a lot of support. Um, so I think it all kind of goes together sometimes. That uh, yeah, if you're someone you can trust, then then uh, those opportunities might just come your way when they might not go uh, elsewhere. So I I think that's part of it. 
I used to be a little hesitant uh, uh, with certain things. Like, ah, we don't have everything in the right place. We don't have that. But um, I, I, I think I trust myself a little bit more of saying, and in my in my team and in my institution, let's be clear about that too. That no, we could do something if not all the pieces are in place. Uh, we could still move ahead and and reach something that uh, others might uh, not think we can do. Well, besides graduation, what's your favorite part about being a chancellor? Favorite part, you know, one of the uh, it, it's 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 uh, doing new things um, and putting a bringing a team of people, not just uh, my uh, my team at the at the college, but uh, a team of, uh, of uh, community members, of um, legislators, of uh, my colleagues at uh, the Springfield campus, uh, bringing us all together, or or, or at least. Uh, leading the charge, let's put it that, uh, towards something new and, and putting a new program together. That, uh, that has been really, really exciting. Uh, I, I, I'm not a maintenance person, I, I have to tell you. Uh, you can ask my wife, but um, uh, I, I like new stuff and, uh, and moving forward. And, uh, but I do have a few people that say, well, maybe that's too, that's too far out right now. <laughs> so I have to listen to them too. Uh, but that's been well, kind of, I think that's really been um, the, the fun part. And I kind of knew that about myself already. The one thing I didn't know was uh, was working uh, working with donors. Uh, that was one of the things that I, I really thought was a weakness. But I, I've had a couple of great mentors uh, in just in the last few years. And then drawing on past experiences of thinking, okay, I, I, I kind of get it now. So I, I, I'm much more uh courageous i suppose and uh going out there not just you know not with my handout but in in terms of let me tell you about our campus let me tell you where our what our vision is um and i, and I think we have a, a a good vision i think we have a good message we have a good product and so that gives me confidence to move forward and, and be very proud of what, what we do. So we've been able to do that in the last few years. And, and that's been just, there's some satisfaction there, Dave, that uh, that's come my way. That's been fun, I guess. Well, since you mentioned years ago, you came from the classroom. Uh, how right. do you still stay connected with students? Well, I'm teaching actually this fall. Uh, I haven't taught there you for go. eight years. <laughs> there you go. I, I haven't taught for eight years. Um, but I'm teaching this fall. And uh, so one of the things that I was able to do in the 90s was uh, to create an honors program. And uh, so that's continued over the years. And so I, I turned that over when I became dean about, uh, what is it, nine, 10 years ago now. Um, and uh, I turned it over to one of my former students, actually. And so he needed a break. Uh, he is uh, he is the coach of our uh, esports team, uh, and uh, uh, which is one something new uh, going on and uh, crazy uh, uh, excitement around all that. Uh, so anyway, I, I got to teach this fall, and so I'm enjoying that. I, I know I'm a little rusty; it doesn't always just come back as quickly as it used to, uh, but it, that's that's been fun. Uh, you know, and you just have to get out. Uh, that's often hard to do uh, with, a, with a schedule like mine, but uh, you do have to get out and talk to students. Um, they're, they're a little different than they used to be in some respects. Not a bad way, just, uh, just a little different. So you, you, have to st you have to keep doing that, I think. Yeah, good point. Well, here's my last question. What advice would you give to prospective students and their families when choosing the right college or university for their education? Well, I, I think... Uh, you have to take assessment of uh, 
uh, of where you are, uh, not not physically, uh, geographically, but wh where you are as a family, um, what uh, uh, what your what your motivations are. <clears throat> so if it's a if it's a student, and I tell students this whenever I'm talking to them and in our orientations that uh, you've got to you've got to know the why. I mean, you really have to know why you're doing this because it gets tough. And, you know, you don't have to be here. Uh, and somewhere in October or November, when it starts to, you know, get get kind of tough, uh, get overloaded. And it's like, how, can, how do I do all this? It's not like high school, you realize. And uh, uh, so you've got to, you don't know why you're, why you're doing it. It doesn't mean you have to know what you're going to do with the rest of your life. It just means why is college important to me? And what what is this step? What's Why is this worth the investment of time and money and energy. Um, and uh, when you sometimes have to sacrifice other things that you would really like to be doing. So wh why is it worth all of that? So I, I think that's <clears throat> maybe uh, along with what are my assets? What, where, where am I and, and being, what I am able to do? Um, uh, and then asking that that why question. So when you look at the assets, let me, let me go back to that. It's, it's not, how much money I have or don't have. I, I think it is, uh, do, you know, are my, are my parents supportive? Uh, one of the big, you know, you know, one of the big questions and frustrations that we have here, because we serve a lot of first-generation students. And, and again, we, we live in an area that's very rural and very impoverished in many ways, that uh, there's always that question, I don't want to do that. that. That's not for you. Um, sometimes they hear that. Sometimes they hear it from parents. Sometimes they hear it from uh, just the society around them. Um, and, uh, uh, so we had to work through some of that. And so you're often a cheerleader, uh, you know, a lot of my colleagues out there will understand that, uh, for sure. Uh, but you have to, I, I think for families, I, I really, um, stress the idea of, of, of trying to be realist, realistic, um, and, uh, in, in a good way, uh, to me, if you know where you are, this is, this is it. Okay. And then we can move forward. Um, then we can see what we, we could do. And sometimes that's that's a that's a is a big step. Uh, maybe they're capable, very careful, very capable, academically, very capable of of uh, uh, living away or whatever it is that their their goals are. Uh, but I think you've got to be realistic with things because there's I've seen students who um, who've been very academically capable and have gone off someplace, but they weren't quite ready for that big of a step. And so as they come back home, um, they may be uh, on my campus, which is which is great, or they may not. They just may not, you know, go at <clears throat> go at all. And uh, so they they've left that behind. Uh, so I when I'm when I'm talking to to prospective parents in, in particular, I, I stress that when I'm talking to students, I'm talking about the why question. And uh, uh, I don't know if that gets two of them or not, but uh, I try. <laughs> well, Dennis, thanks so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed our conversation. Well, thanks, Dave. It's 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 been fun. It's uh, I always love talking about my job in education. It it is uh, uh, it, it's a great field. A lot of challenges for sure, but it's a great field. Well, that wraps up today's episode. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for listening to today's episode and make sure to visit our website at academicdean.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. 
Academic Dean is sponsored by Myers-McRae Executive Search and Consulting. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time.